1: Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com
2: Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 596. We'd like to start off with a thank you to our wonderful hosts at Yosemite National Park, from which we broadcast our Talking Birds show last Sunday, October 16th, in a continuing salute to the National Park Service's 100th anniversary this year. Special thanks to Yosemite National Park's Scott Gediman and Yosemite Conservancy's Pete Devine and Crystal Barnes for their friendly welcome and avian expertise as guests on last week's show. And what did we forget to do last Sunday? This is so annoying. Why we forgot to identify our mystery bird after none of our callers got the exactly correct answer. They were trying to identify this bird. <coughs> <coughs> Which turned out to be the flammulated owl. So named for its commonly appearing flame-colored feathers. And we actually did choose a winner off the air in a random drawing. It was Carrie in Peabody, Massachusetts. If you're listening today, Carrie, please give us a call so we can arrange to send you your prize, your beautiful Droll Yankees feeder. We're at 781-837-4900. That's 781 837 for 900.
1: Extra, extra, read all about it.
2: Well, here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. An early heads up for the big annual Christmas extra, bird count. Extra, That's a wonderful it. event. have that story courtesy of the Huffington Post. How our unseasonably warm fall is affecting migratory birds. The Cornell Lab's Andrew Farnsworth has some thoughts on that topic. And why are some yellow-shafted northern flickers turning red? Some of the stories we have for you on our Facebook page right now. You can find maybe all of those stories with an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. Our Talking Birds blog this week features more evidence of the Dinosaur-Bird Connection, thanks to scientists researching dinosaur nesting habitats. That's on this week's blog, compiled by our own Debbie Bleacher, easily found at TalkingBirds.com. Here we have another bonus state this week. The state is Virginia, and that means if you happen to be listening in Virginia and you are first to get through to our show and our mystery bird contest today, you will win a very special bonus prize It's a pair of Nature DX binoculars by Celestron. Waterproof, fully rubber, armored, phase-coated back four prisms for increased contrast and resolution. Fully multi-coated optics for brighter images. And even close focus of six and a half feet for viewing nearby subjects. So if you're in Virginia and you get to us on the show this morning, you'll win that very special prize. In addition to other prizes, you might win and our mystery bird contest so get ready to call old dominion staters. Conservation salute of the week goes to two organizations, Timberland, a footwear focused outdoor goods maker based in Stratham, New Hampshire, and Thread, a nonprofit that works with underperforming high school students based in Baltimore, Maryland. Timberland and Thread have joined forces to produce a line of footwear and bags composed of up to 50% recycled plastic bottles, which are collected from the streets of Haiti and Honduras. A bonus of the collaboration, Thread says it's providing full and part-time jobs for nearly 3,600 bottle collectors. That's pretty good. So we salute you, Timberland and Thread. Still to come on our show today, we'll sort of catch up with Mike O'Connor. He's on his way back from Hawaii, but we've learned that his flight was delayed and he is now in the air over Wyoming or somewhere like that. So we're going to have a Best of Mike uh, segment this morning. Let's ask Mike. Also, we'll learn how we can turn our backyards, including urban backyards, into wildlife habitat while we serve as citizen scientists. We'll talk with the Cornell Lab's Dr. Rhiannon Crane about that. And up next, one of our favorite water birds is today's featured feathered friend. Talking Birds is made possible in part by Celestron, a leading optics company offering binoculars and spotting scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron is dedicated to education and bird conservation and proudly supports many nonprofit organizations that share the same commitment. Celestron says we care about birds and nature in our backyard as well as yours. Enhance your view with Celestron. Visit Celestron.com and discover more. Today, we feature a bird of contradictions. It's rarely seen flying, but stray individuals have reached Hawaii. And Europe. It swims like a duck but doesn't have webbed feet. And although it's a diving bird that feeds on fish, it has a bill like a chicken. Another contradiction is that its name is associated with the magpie. Even though it's not related to that bird, our featured feathered friend is the pied-billed grebe. Is a shortened form of piebald, pie from magpie, and bald meaning white patch or spot. It's a small, stocky, mostly brown bird with brown barring on the sides, and it has a white bill with a broad black vertical stripe in the middle. That's the pied bill. It's a bird whose folk names include dab chick, devil diver, dive dapper, hell diver, and water witch. Despite the fact that the pied-billed grebe doesn't have webbed feet, it still manages to be a good swimmer on the surface and underwater thanks to its lobed toes that provide extra surface for paddling. It breeds all over the northern half of the U.S. and most of Canada and winters through the southern states and points south or wherever open water allows it to use those lobed toes to dive for fish and grab them in that chicken-like pied bill. It has a couple of vocalizations: this wail, and what's described as its greeting rattle.
0: <laughs>
2: it's potolimbus poticeps, the pied billed grebe. Today's talking birds featured feathered friend. Thanks again for being with us here. It's our show number five hundred and. Ninety-six. We hope you'll visit our website. We think it's kind of worth checking out. It has some other stories on there, too. Uh, we generally have a couple of stories there um, connected with um, things going on with, uh, with birds uh, from our Twitter feed. We'd also invite you to check that out as well as uh, Facebook. So our website is talkingbirds.com and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at talkingbirds. The Cornell Lab of Ornithology's Dr. Rhiannon Crane is the project leader for Habitat Network. And she is on the phone with us right now from beautiful Watson, California. Good morning, Rhiannon.
3: Good morning, Ray.
2: Great to have you with us. Uh, Rhiannon, you were on the show with us, I believe it was early 2013, talking about a then new concept called yard Map. And uh, now you folks at Cornell Lab have joined up with the Nature Conservancy for a kind of expanded version of that, if that's the way to describe it, called Habitat Network. Take us back, uh, Rihanna, to the start of the Yard Map program and how it's evolved with your partnership with the Nature Conservancy.
3: Sure. Well, Yard Map has always been uh, a tool at the lab that sort of takes us in the direction of expanding expanding our focus from birds to starting to look at what surrounds those birds, the context, the communities those birds are living in, the kinds of habitat that they are inhabiting. And so uh, the work with the Nature Conservancy is a really natural step to broadening that to thinking even more deeply about the green infrastructure that's around People, birds, wildlife, connecting it all together in a way that when you're just looking at the birds, you might not necessarily do. But it's really important if you're trying to think about how you can preserve the habitat that the diversity of birds that live anywhere are able to survive in.
2: It's interesting because I always think of, you know, uh, when you start to look at birds, you notice other parts of the environment. And this is kind of a, I don't know, more sophisticated way of doing that, I guess
3: it sure is it's really a systematic way of doing it so we try to give people the chance to closely observe what's what's around them thinking about how much landscaping do i have that birds are using how much is impervious you know how is water moving around my property you know what kinds of trees do i have planted What kinds of shrubs maybe you don't think about shrubs in your yard very much but shrubs are one of those really critical bird habitat pieces Um, And they do a lot of other work on the property as well, helping to absorb water. Being, uh, They provide pollen for uh, the pollinators that everyone's been hearing so much about Mm -hmm. uh, in decline. And so we're really working to connect all of these things together by working with the Nature Conservancy and especially starting to look in urban areas, which so many people live in but don't often think about as resources for nature.
2: Yeah, well, urban areas, that's that's pretty interesting. Um, I, I'm happy to see that my city, Boston, has been chosen as a Habitat Network focal city. Um, how was Boston chosen? I know there's a couple of other cities as well. How, how did you choose the cities, and what, what happens uh, with these focal cities?
3: The Nature Conservancy has been working in Boston for many years with their mm-hmm. urban conservation program. And Boston has a really active identity in this program, so they are really working hard to think about how green infrastructure can reshape that city. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for a way to connect users to each other, people who are participating in those efforts to, to do green infrastructure projects in Boston. Uh, so they wanted to build the Habitat Network out there first, talk to those people, see how uh, participating in the program and actually collecting data about their efforts helps to build that movement in a really robust way in that city. Mm-hmm. And so Boston was a great choice. I think Boston has a lot of character. It's a city that's <laughs> facing some really big issues. Mm-hmm. You know, water table sinking, making the city more vulnerable to flooding. And so these are all things that can be solved at the same time you're creating bird habitat, which is really handy if you ask me.
2: I have to just mention, too, uh, when talking about Boston, and you mentioned about impervious uh, surface surfaces, and mm-hmm. uh, we have a, a wonderful organization in Boston called the Charles River Watershed Association, and they're um, developing a, a program or doing a kind of a pilot program now for these uh, porous um, porous services for parking lots and such so that oh. the water doesn't just r- slide off and end up in the Charles River and then waste it out into the ocean, but actually sinks into the ground.
3: Yeah, that's really cool. So uh, pervious uh, hardscaping, so the water soaks down through and can re- into the water table and help replenish it rather than run off into the river's and carry often a lot of pollution with
2: it indeed yeah uh, yeah it's a beautiful it 's a beautiful um, project, in, and I must say especially important in a place like Boston where a lot of our buildings are actually resting on wooden pilings, and uh, they have to be into underwater, otherwise we 're in right. trouble yeah
3: because if they don 't the oxygen attacks that that piling mm-hmm. and starts to destabilize it, and then you start to get problems with the buildings on top of it, if these are the exact issues that um, I think people are really trying to tackle in the city of boston
2: whose yard uh Rhiannon is a is a good candidate for becoming part of the the habitat network i mean do you need a big yard or not necessarily
3: not necessarily there's certainly things you can do in a big yard that you can't do in a small one but there are many things you can do in a small yard even on a balcony you can plant a container with native plants in it you'll be hmm. surprised what a diversity of insects and birds will come to just a balcony filled with some native plants, things like sunflowers and cosmos. Uh, you can work in that common area around where you live so choose a park and start to advocate there for uh, less use of chemicals like pesticides mm-hmm. and herbicides and fungicides, things that are disrupting the ecological functioning of that community area. Lots of people map um, community garden plots in cities and so those are pretty small but when you start looking at them collectively you start to see that they can have a real impact on the resources that are available for the wildlife around the area and so while you can pretty easily map a large property and see immediately the kind of impact that you're having when you're doing an acre property you can also start to see when you're working with your neighbors exactly how things start to add up in places like a city
2: Uh, On your website, uh, Rhiannon, there's a quote from you here when you uh, you were asked for the best part of the Habitat Network. And you said, being able to visualize my yard with a map, people don't realize how much there is to learn about your own space. From taking the time to carefully map something, it really forces you to look at your yard with a new set of eyes. Some might even say a bird's eye. And that's kind of literally Mm. so, isn't it? Because if I'm not mistaken, satellite imagery is involved here.
3: Sure, so we do. We pull up the Google Maps, if you've ever searched for your house on Google and seen that satellite image, that's exactly the same imagery that we use in the Habitat Network. So we work with Google's API, I won't get too technical here, suck that into our project, and when you type in the address, the same image comes up. And we provide a set of tools that walk you through the process of mapping your yard so you start by outlining it which is kind of like drawing a virtual fence around your property Mm -hmm. and then once you've got that outline you can title it give it a name say this is uh bob's bob's house um and then uh you fill in that space with different land cover polygons so spaces that represent where your lawn is and where your driveway is where your house is and then you you can start to put in the shrubby areas or uh, the the places you don't mow, the grassy areas, the meadows, and then you can drag on uh, different kinds of objects that are really important for both wildlife and ecological functioning in a property. Things like rain barrels or where your water um, your water feature is. If you have a bird bath, your bird feeder different important trees and shrubs go on top so during this process you're really forced to think like oh where is the edge of my lawn and where do I mow and where am I placing chemicals in the yard and oh what kind of species of tree is that I've always wondered it kind of looks like a maple but I'm not sure So this gives you that chance to really think, like, oh, what is going on in my yard that I've never noticed before? Mm. And then we start to spit data back at you, like a pie chart that shows you exactly how much of each kind of habitat type you have, and you can think to yourself, whoa, I'm doing pretty good. Look at how (laughs) small my lawn is, or, Mm -hmm. whoa... I really need to think about maybe lessening the amount of impervious so the part the water mm-hmm. won't soak through area in my yard. Pretty and quickly. all of those things yeah. can be great.
2: We're getting so close to running out of time, but how does uh, <laughs> one get started quickly, Rhiannon?
3: How does how did the project get started? Oh, no, how
2: does the person get involved in this who wants to oh, do sure. this?
3: Oh, You can yeah. um, visit uh, the URL for the site is habitat.network.
2: Habitat.network. That's it. Okay. That's it. Rhiannon Crane is project leader for the new Cornell Lab, the Nature Conservancy Joint Venture, Habitat Network. It's a wonderful thing. Thanks for being on with us again, Rhiannon.
3: The pleasure's all mine, Ray.
2: Coming up next here, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. A wise person once said, although we may regret some things we do in life, the bigger regrets concern things we didn't do. One thing many people say they've just got to do someday is visit the Galapagos Islands, which inspired the world-changing work of Charles Darwin. Well, if you're one of those people, I say don't wait any longer. I'm Ray Brown, inviting you to go to the Galapagos with me and one of the finest small group touring companies on the planet, Sunrise Birding. Thanks to their expertise, we'll have a chance to see things other tours don't, like red-footed and Nazca boobies and flightless cormorants, along with Darwin's finches, Galapagos tortoises, land, and marine iguanas, sea lions, whales, and dolphins. We'll even snorkel with Galapagos penguins. I'll be your host for this trip, joined by local experts as we explore the islands via custom-designed first-class yacht. Please check out the details on this trip of a lifetime right now at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. It's our Mystery Bird Contest. If you haven't won here within the past six months, you're eligible to uh, enter. And here's the number, 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. If you're in Virginia, be sure to call us because you'll automatically win an amazing bonus prize, a pair of Nature DX binoculars by Celestron. If you're calling from Virginia, first caller from that state if you're listening there. Our prize this morning is Droll Yankees. Observer window feeder in smoke tint. It provides unobstructed and up close birds or views of birds as they feed on suet or fruit or mealworms or suet that you might put in that feeder, which is a good idea. Put something in there for the birds. Seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred is the number. Get ready. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. <laughs> It's a large, dull brown or gray chicken-like bird with a small head, a long tail with a white tip and long, strong legs, it has a patch of bare red skin on the throat. Unlike most other chicken relatives in North America, our bird spends most of its time foraging in trees for various kinds of fruits. It's commonly observed feeding in precarious positions, including upside down. It's mostly found in Mexico and Central America and reaches the U.S., Only in southern Texas. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy bird. It gets its name, by the way, from its call. So that's maybe kind of another hint there. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Tell us what it is or take a guess because no correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. So don't hesitate. Give us a call as quickly as you can at 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, best of Let's Ask Mike is uh, coming up here in just one minute. If you've never tried the coffee we here at Talkin' Birds drink and recommend Birds and Beans, here's a holiday season offer you shouldn't refuse. You get a dozen 12 ounce bags of the delicious bird friendly coffee recommended by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. And it includes two bags of wood thrush breakfast roast, two American Red Start light roast, three Scarlet Tanager French roast, three Chestnut sided warbler medium roast, and two Baltimore Oriole French roast decaf, all ground and ready to brew, or whole bean if you prefer. Regular cost $158.70, now just $120, a savings of 25% on birds. In Beans certified shade grown USDA organic and fair trade coffee. It's a great deal. It's great coffee and you'll be doing your part to help save the tropical forests on which so many of our birds depend. Please don't miss out on this limited time offer. Go to birdsandbeans.com right now to place your order. That's birdsandbeans.com We have a special theme for Mike uh, for today Meow 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 (英語)
0: meow ( multitasking) meow 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 (interpretation) meow Them, like, I, I
2: got new um, theme music. How do you like it? It's pretty nice, right? <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to say I don't like it. You don't like it, no. Anyway. Well, it's about cats and, you know, but anyway, we're talking not about cats, but cat birds today. Cat birds is right. You like cat birds. Everybody yeah, likes yeah. cat you birds. You know, despite their unfortunate
0: name, this yeah. is one of my favorite birds. <laughs> cat
2: birds. So the and they're also
0: is, yeah. a little bit underrated in terms yeah. of backyard birds. You know, everybody, cardinal, chickadees, hummingbirds, goldfinches, kind of what everybody seems to want to get. But catbirds readily, will readily come to a backyard, and they're probably out there more than you think. And they come, you can easily attract them. I know in our yard we have several pairs, and we, we put out, and I know a lot of people try different things, but in our yard they seem to adore raisins, regular raisins that, you know, that you that people sometimes put in cookies try to fool you when you really think you're getting chocolate chips. Well, the raisins you put these out and the cat birds come, and they we go through probably about a half a pound of raisins a day. Um, uh-huh. coming well, cappers coming. Cat birds are gray, that kind of kind of a handsome gray, a little black cap a Rufus on their tail, and um, you know because because they make that cat call that you hear all the time. <whistles> And they also they're mimics like mockingbirds and thrashes, and you hear them making a jumble call, usually more in the thickets than in, while they're coming to the feeder. Other people get them on jelly, grape jelly, the same grape jelly people put out for orioles. Capras like it. As a matter of fact, there's one on the feeder right now, coming for some jelly, um, and mealworms. They'll come for mealworms also. And I was reading, I was reading online. A few minutes ago, some some guy puts out baked potatoes. <laughs> no, the boiled potatoes, I guess. And they come for that. But maybe that's just on St. Patrick's Day. I don't know about that.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, meanwhile, Mike, uh, I notice you have a new sign there on the uh, Birdwatchers General Store cam out there in front of your store. It says, notice, due to Brexit, we no longer sell bird seed for English sparrows.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I knew the repercussions of Brexit were big, but I didn't know they went there. Yeah,
0: oh, no, we, yeah. The birds, this is serious. Once it's not affecting birds, we we take all this stuff seriously. Meow, meow,
2: meow, 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 Oh, there's a Mike, uh, indicating we're out of time. <laughs> Ray, I'll talk to you next week. We'll have your other theme next week. <laughs> okay. All right, Mike. Mike O'Connor down there at the Birdwatchers General Store at Orleans, Cape Cod. A little uh, best of Let's Ask Mike. Mike is on a plane right now, coming back from his Hawaiian birding vacation, so we couldn't connect with him live, but he'll be back here with uh, some good birding advice and such next week. Meanwhile, we're back at the Mystery Bird Contest, trying to identify this musical sounding mystery bird. 781 837 4900 is the number. Our droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder is the prize. Quickly about our bird a large, dull brown or gray chicken like bird with a small head. Long tail with a white tip and long, strong legs, patch of bare red skin on the throat. 781-837-4900. What is it? Joe is in Braintree, Massachusetts, uh, with a possible answer for us there. Good morning, Joe. Hey, good morning, Ray. How are you? Doing well. How are things in Braintree?
0: Very good. It's a little cold. I'm enjoying the show, though.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it's gotten kind of chilly here all of a sudden. We were, were, you know, kind of hosed on that. We thought it was going to be... Summary for a while, but that's that's okay. That's more normal. What do you say, uh, Joe? What do you say on the yeah, mystery I just bird? Yeah,
0: took a while. Guess I, yeah? when you said the sound, got his name from sound or something. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I just guessed a screaming chicken or something because it <laughs> sounded like it was kind of screaming or making some kind of a
2: loud noise. <laughs> Let <laughs> no me point. make note of this: a screaming chicken. Uh, okay, <laughs> Sounds like well, a name of or
0: something.
2: it is kind of a screaming chicken in a certain way, but I don't believe that's been uh, given that nomenclature. I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joe. All right, Ray. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Screaming chicken. I like that. 781-837-4900 is the number on our mystery bird contest. And uh, we have Paul in Leetown, West Virginia. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Ray. Good morning. It's the first time uh, we've heard from Leetown, West Virginia, I think. But uh, welcome. How'd you find our show, by the way?
0: Oh, actually, you sent me some cards that I passed out to our Master Naturalist class, and Ah. hopefully you'll have a lot more listeners from uh, this area.
2: Well, that's wonderful. Paul, I'm just realizing, Paul, you're one of our ambassadors for the Talking Bird show. We're going to talk more about that on our show next week. But thank you so much for that and for calling in on the Mystery Bird contest, and let's see how we do here. What do you think our mystery bird is, Paul?
0: I think it's uh, a chachalaca. And uh, I think it's a plain (laughs) Chachalaca.
2: Not just a Chachalaca, but a plain Chachalaca. Absolutely right. There are many other Chachalacas, not in the U.S., I guess, uh, in Mexico and South America. Rufus Vented, Rufus Headed, Rufus Bellied, and about a dozen others, I think. But we just have the plain one here in the U.S. With that
0: unusual name, I've been uh, on the lookout for it on my trips to uh, Costa Rica.
2: Uh, uh Haven't run into one yet?
0: no, but that bird call you played, it sounded to me like it was saying Chachalaka. So it was saying its name.
2: <laughs> it was saying something like that anyway. Paul, thank you so <laughs> much. Thanks for uh, everything, for being a Talking Birds ambassador, and congratulations on uh, winning that troll Yankees feeder. If you'll stay on the line, we'll, we'll make sure we have your address and send that out to you. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Paul. Down there in Leetown, West Virginia, and uh, correctly identifying the plane Chachalaca. That is a crazy bird. We saw some uh, down in the Rio Grande Valley in Texas uh, some months ago, and uh, they were just kind of they were dive-bombing us a little bit, and that's a big bird to get dive-bombed by. I mean, they weren't really trying to dive-bomb us, but flying kind of right over our heads, and you, you definitely notice them <laughs> when they do that. It's a big kind of crazy bird, the plain chachalaca. That is our show for this morning. Please uh, let us know how we're doing. Give us an email anytime at Ray at TalkingBirds.com. Please visit our website, TalkingBirds.com and we hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talking Birds. Executive producer, Mark Duffield. Associate producer, Debbie Bleacher. Our engineer is Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week.
1: Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.